scripture reading for today is from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with the 18th verse. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jacobs is a secular writer and a journalist, but a few years back he was interested in the role that faith and religion played in the modern world, and so he thought he would conduct an experiment. What would happen, he thought, if I lived by the rules of the Bible and I followed those rules to the letter of the law for an entire year. And so he did that very thing. And he wrote a book about it a few years ago. The book was entitled The Year of Living Biblically. Some of you may have read that book. It was in the New York Times bestseller list, on the New York Times bestseller list a few years back. Fascinating book, a funny, funny book in several places. For instance, the time when, when Jacobs decided that he needed to stone all of the Sabbath breakers. Because the Old Testament says you have to do that, right? And so he went to the park one day on a Sabbath day when people were out and about, and he decided he had to stone them, so he filled his pockets with tiny little pebbles. And he just walked around and gently tossed little pebbles at the feet of people so they didn't really know what was going on. But at least he could say, I stoned the Sabbath breakers. Or the time he decided that he would stop shaving because there are parts of the Old Testament that say that a razor shall not touch your, your head. And his beard grew so long that he looked like a member of ZZ Top and his wife wanted nothing to do with him for a while. So a lot of humorous things happened in the book, but not everything was a joke. Jacobs stumbled upon some unexpectedly life-altering discoveries during that year of living biblically. For instance, what happens 
when you love your neighbor as you love yourself. When that, when that is not just, you know, some sweet, sentimental little aphorism. It's not just some cute little proverb, but it's something that you actually do because the Bible says to do it, because Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Or what happens when you don't judge people and you take that seriously, when you don't judge people by the way they look or the way they dress or the way they speak and you really don't do it? Or what happens when you pray, when you really commit yourself to prayer several times a day, as Scripture advises you to do. Well, Jacob's the, the writer of the book. He certainly felt foolish many times throughout the year because he was doing things that the world wasn't used to seeing. But our Scripture today makes it pretty clear that that will be the case. As we just heard Dave read, Paul says, The world does not know God through wisdom, but instead through the foolishness of our proclamation. This message of the cross, this message of sacrifice. Sacrifice rather than prosperity or, or pleasure. This message of forgiving people. Forgiving people who wrong us and forgiving them again and again. Seventy times seven, Jesus says. Something that our, our world, our culture can't fathom. This message of loving people, even our enemies, praying for people who persecute us rather than returning hate with more hate. Again, something the world does not understand. This message of turning the other cheek rather than seeking retaliation. A message of, of building up treasures, but not treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. This is not how the world, none of this is how the world works. It's foolishness in the world. Blessed are the meek. The meek, Jesus says. I love how my old uh, professor at Duke Divinity School, Will Willeman, used to say, try being meek at your business meeting tomorrow morning and see how that goes for you. <laughs> you know, Shane touched upon this just a few weeks ago when he was preaching about um, being an apprentice with Jesus. Shane said that when we are an apprentice of Jesus, we begin to imitate him. And when we, when we imitate Jesus, we will begin to move in the opposite direction of the world. And that's right. And when we move in the opposite direction, the world will begin to see us as different. As First Peter says in his epistle, we will be seen as peculiar people. Now Paul, who is the writer of today's scripture, the, the letter to the, to the Corinthians, Paul himself was... Uh, a highly educated man of his day. So he really would have had no, no place for a religion in which intellect or, or reason had no place. So what he's doing here is he's trying to help his readers understand 
that there's no redemption in simply possessing the right kind of, of wisdom. You know, God doesn't devalue knowledge. That's not what Paul is saying. We, we should pursue knowledge, but we should never mistake salvation simply for, for thinking a certain way or for possessing a certain doctrine. Paul would actually go on to write very similar words just a little bit later on in that same letter to the Corinthians in this famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, when he would say, if I have prophetic powers or if I understand all mysteries or if I have all knowledge but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Paul is declaring here that it's, it's Jesus willingly, it's, it's his willingness to go to a cross. This, this instrument of torture and execution, that that, that is the true wisdom and the power of God. And there was no sophisticated or, or well-educated Greek or, or Gentile person of Paul's day who would have seen that or understood that as being wise or powerful at all. But Paul is clear. Paul says, the world did not know God through human wisdom. But again, through the foolishness, the foolishness of our proclamation. Proclamation. And every generation of Christians has said this, and it's true. It's true for every generation. If there's ever been a time for Jesus to be proclaimed, that that time is now. Which sort of begs the question from us, which is, are we doing that? Are we proclaiming Christ? How are we doing with that? How are we proclaiming Christ? You know, the Greek word that Paul uses here for proclamation is a, is a fairly well-known Greek word. You know, we may not speak Greek, but maybe you know a handful of Greek words, and this might be one that you know. It's the word kerygma, a word for proclamation that we, we generally translate as preaching. But I'm not going to let you off the hook. I'm not going to let all of us off the hook here when, when Paul talks about proclamation as if it's just something that, that I do or people like me or, or Diane or Brad do. Because the, you know, the, the reality, of course, is that the vast majority of people Americans especially, the vast majority of people on any given Sunday are not in church. They're not only not in church, they're not watching us online either. So the vast majority of people are not listening to preachers. They're just not. So if we want the message of Christ to be proclaimed, as Paul says, that means it's up to every one of us every one of you here today and everybody watching online, every one of us has to be a proclaimer in our words and, and in our deeds. We have to proclaim the foolishness of loving people unconditionally, something the world just doesn't do. We need to proclaim this foolishness of forgiving and reconciling rather than retaliating. 
we need to be the ones to proclaim the foolishness of sacrificing rather than taking what's mine and accumulating more than we need. Again, something that's opposite of what our culture believes and teaches. If Jesus is to be proclaimed, all this foolishness has to come from from us. Not just from preachers in the pulpit, it has to come from every one of us. And it has to come every day. It has to come during a pandemic. It has to come when the pandemic's over. It has to come when we're together with people in person wearing masks. It has to come when we're Zooming with people online. It has to come when we're doing business with folks Monday through Friday. It has to come when we're having dinner with them in the evenings. We need to be proclaimers of Christ in all the words that we say and all the things that we do. So here's my challenge. I have a challenge for us. We've got about a month left uh, in Lent. So I hope you'll try something. Jacob's tried something in his, that year of living biblically. I hope you'll try this just for the next month. I want you to find that person in your life that you just don't like that much. A person that you don't care for. An enemy, we'll even call them, an enemy of sorts. I don't know, maybe it's a former friend or a former business associate. I don't know who they are, but you know who they are. You might even be conjuring them up in your mind right now, and you're thinking, yeah, I know who it is. Think of who they are and do something foolish. Love them. Start loving them. Figure out how you can love that person. First thing is start praying for them. But then do something else. Send them a, send them a note. Send them a card. Handwrite them a note. Love your enemy. Love them. First of all, it'll scare the daylights out of them. They'll wonder what's wrong. They will wonder why are you acting so peculiar, so foolish. And that's when you know that you're doing something right. Or try something else. Try another experiment. The next time you find yourself in an argument with someone, a friend or your spouse, you're arguing and you're ready to fire back those words, that, that, perfect, that perfect insult just to put them back right where you think they need to be. Just shut your mouth. Keep those words to yourself and let them win. Rather, do something kind for them instead. Again, they'll think you're up to something. And you are. You are up to something you are proclaiming the message of Christ. This message that goes against the grain of what the world sees as wisdom. But for those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, find some way, whether it's these or something, find some way or some ways this month, this, this Lent, 
to be peculiar people. Maybe if you do it once or if you do it twice, you'll see that you can do it again, even after Lent is past. Listen, if the world doesn't think that we're up to something because of the foolishness of our radical and our welcoming love, then we're not really up to anything that resembles Jesus. Let's show the world that we're up to something.